Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. Today we have a message from Chesley Monzo at our women's gathering about exhortation. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you. Thank you for coming out this morning, this Saturday morning. Um, As Christina said, I'm Chesley. I'm usually in and out on Sundays lately because I have a new little baby girl. She's one. Actually, she's not so new, but, you know, it goes like that. So she's already one and a half, but I'm wrestling her on Sundays. So you might see me with her. That's my People are like, I don't even recognize you without your baby. That's I've heard that a few times this morning. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, that's me. And also my husband, Riley, is the worship pastor on Sundays. So um, you might know him as well. I'd love to pray to get us started, though. And uh, just commit this, this next time to the Lord. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can be together here this morning, um, here to get into your word, just meeting this beautiful church setting. I pray that your spirit would come. You'd open up our minds and our hearts to hear from you. Lord, use me as your mouthpiece. I just pray that your word would be received today that you would just stir us up, help us to understand the idea of exhorting one another. Lord, may you come and speak. May these be your words and not mine. I just pray for a special blessing on all who hear today, Lord. We thank you. We give you this time. We invite your spirit to come and be with us now. Amen. Amen. Well, I did want to tell you, last time, back in February, uh, Christina gave us a great word about loving one another through comfort. So if you missed that one, please go back and have a listen. It was a great and beautiful word. And today, as we've already been saying, I'm going to explain another way that we can love one another, and that is through exhortation. So maybe you're like me, and when you first hear that word, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, wait, what? I was a little bit like that. It's kind of a cloudy meaning in my head. So I'm going to help us all out and give us some background and try to help pound this word out for us and show you what it means. So the Greek word that we get this idea of exhortation from is parakaleo. It's a word found in the original biblical manuscripts, meaning to call to or for, to exhort, or to encourage. And that's from Strong's Concordance. Para means from close beside. So if you think of being parallel, right? And kaleo is to call. In other words, to call alongside or make a call from being up close and personal. In the Bible, it's often translated as a number of different words. Urge, invite, beg, implore, admonish, comfort, encourage, console, just to name a few. And I think it's worth noting the modern meaning that we use today for exhort, the word exhort. It means to incite by argument or advice or to urge strongly. So that's how we might use that word today in our normal speaking. And I read that a modern reader could easily overlook the emotion behind exhort and synonymous words. But the Greek parakaleo implies a closeness of feeling, which our English word lacks. So it goes hand in hand with comfort and encouragement. There's much love and care behind it. Exhortation is a word that helps push you to do something. My mother-in-law and I were talking about this word, and she described it as words with engine, and I love that. One source said that the spiritual gift of exhortation is a special empowerment from God to motivate people to do something. It's not just a correction, It's paired with an encouragement, just as importantly, or a spurring on. So here's my version. Chesley's version is this. It is the personal love and care that motivates us to give a truthful, biblical, corrective word to someone whose greatest interest we have in mind. 
in order to point them forward to Jesus. Yes, I will. <laughs> it is the personal love and care that motivates us to give a truthful, biblical, corrective word to someone whose greatest interest we have in mind in order to point them forward to Jesus. Inviting them to come alongside of us as we're doing the same, as we're pointed toward Jesus too. It's a call to turn away from something and go forward. And the goal of it is helping each other understand God's truth, turn away from sin, and point one another to Jesus. So let's just take a quick example. Maybe a friend of yours, or if you have kids, your child, is hanging around the wrong crowd. You notice their attitude and their behavior changing for the worse and becoming like that crowd. And you see that it's unhealthy for them. It might pain your heart to see that. So out of that feeling and that pain and that love for them, you say a word to them. You tell them, hey, I've noticed these changes in your life. I've seen some unhealthy patterns here and this isn't you. I love you and I know this isn't you. You're drifting away from Jesus here under this negative influence. So I wanna help you. Will you come to church with me? So that's just a quick example of kind of all the things I've been saying about exhortation. And the thing about exhortation is it's done through our words. It's a word ministry and it's something we can all do. I looked into how many times the Bible talks about words or lips or tongue, any instance like that. And there's over 170 times in the Bible. So I think that shows us it is really, really important to the Lord how we use our words. And I also read that the words we speak over our lifetime could fill a library. So that's a lot of words. And it's incredibly important in scripture that we use our words well. And I want to tell you today, you don't have to be a Bible college graduate or a super Christian or anything like that to be exhortative. God wants to build his church through you, through all of us, and wants to use our words. So if you can talk, this is for you today. My first point that I want to make is that exhortation builds the church. It builds the church up. Our words build each other up, each other being the, tr the church. The practice of exhortation goes way back. It, it builds the church today, exhortation. Not just today, though. It did thousands of years ago. If you um, brought your Bible today, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians 4. It's okay if you didn't, because I'm going to read it. But if you do, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 4 with me. In verse 25 and 29, I'm going to read that. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Let no corrupting talk, I'm going to 29 now. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So Paul demonstrated something important here, that we are, what did he say, members one of another, part of one body, right? So it benefits no one within the body to withhold the truth from one another or to lie to one another. So let me explain. Pastor David Guzik has a great commentary. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it, EnduringWord.com. And this is what he says about this verse. A body can only function properly if it tells the truth, right? So if your hand touches something hot, like a hot burner on the stove, but your hand tells your brain that the thing is cool, 
your hand is gonna be severely burned, right? It's not gonna work. You're gonna get burned and hurt. So that is why telling the truth to one another within the body is so important. We are members one of another. We're working together. We're affected by one another. So we must use our words to build each other with truth, guarding our tongue from corrupting speech, like this verse says, thus contributing to the health of the body for the glory of Jesus. Paul also demonstrated a way, the way, that we can exhort one another. And it was a really beautiful example to me. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12, it says this. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. So he likens his exhortation to the way that a father exhorts his child, his children. And we can interchange fathers for mothers here today because it's the heart of the parent that is the point. So exhorting others like mothers with their children. I think that's so beautiful and I wanna think about that for a minute. How does a good mother speak to her child or a good father speak to their child? Well, like I said, I'm a new mom to a little one and a half year old. Her name is Meadow. And I was trying to think through the ways that I'm going to have to exhort her one day. <laughs> it's funny to think about now, but I know it'll be here soon. Um, and I think I would look into her sweet little face. And my aim, I know, in that moment would to show her how much I love her. I want to have all love behind what I say and all grace behind what I say for her. I want to speak gently. I want to speak with her best interest in mind, correctively as needed. I want to be truthful to her. I want my message to be consistent. I want to seek to honor God's word and point her to the truth. And I want to be joyful, reminding her of the good I see in her. I want to be firm, having heart and passion. And I want to aim to help her mature and help her see things with a broader perspective. So all of these things with her growth in mind, her maturing in mind, building her up in mind. So I think what's really cool is that Paul is showing here, like, I treated you and exhorted you like my own kids. So you don't have to be a biological parent to do this for one another in order to invest in others and speak into their lives as a parent would. As part of the body of Christ, we get to assume others like our own family and look out for them and exhort them like we would our own child. So how can you build up the Christians around you? How can you encourage them? Maybe someone is afraid or they're trying to make a decision or they're just discouraged. Or maybe you just want to celebrate a trait that you see in them. Say something, exhort them. God wants to use you to build them up. My second point is that exhortation calls us to action and responsibility in our role. So we mentioned the body already. Let's continue with that picture. If you're still in Ephesians 4, let's look at verses 15 and 16. Here's what it says. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love... Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So the church is like a body, as we've already established, that needs to work together. And everyone, for it to function properly, needs to fulfill their roles in order for the church to be built up. So exhortation from one another calls us to action within the body. And each part, each part that we all play works together to make one whole, healthy, functioning body. If 
the nose, for example, notices that the eyes keep closing, it would be in the best interest of the whole body to say something, right? Maybe the nose exhorts the eyes and says, I notice that you keep closing. You need to stop doing that. We're all going to crash here. You got to do your job. And the nose has this vantage point. One, working parallel and knowing the eyes well enough to know when they're functioning correctly or not. Two, seeing that what they're doing is harming the body and having a vested interest in the body and the health of the body. And three, also how it's cutting short the eyes from fully operating in their gifts. So it's with the full function of the body in mind that a word of correction was said. It's out of love. And Paul saw in the church that people need to call each other to their giftings and stay in line with them. And as believers, we have that responsibility to one another. We should call the Christians around us who may not be taking their faith seriously or disregarding their role back to action. That would be the loving thing. It should make us uncomfortable or even sad, like in our first example of someone we love kind of falling away. It should make us sad to carry on without saying something if we notice it. Pastor David Guzik says, exhortation encourages people to practice what they have been taught. And one way that exhortation calls us to action is by helping each other recognize blind spots, right? With our outside perspective, we all have an outside perspective to one another's lives. And I think this is such a great benefit to the Christian family. You tell me when I'm messing up and I can't see it, and I tell you. It may not sound loving, but really it's the most loving thing we can do when that's bringing someone back to Jesus. Through giving exhortation, we help others see how sin is shortchanging them and move forward to what's better for them in life-giving relationship with Christ. So we love one another by helping them see sin issues and shift gears, get back on track. So a couple of verses I just wanted to share. You don't have to turn, but Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And then similarly, James 5, 19 through 20 gives a strong word. It says, if anyone among you, among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering or from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So it brings life when we exhort one another in the truth and helps others even avoid the snares of death. I can think of countless times that a sister has helped me turn away from an unbelieving mindset, a mindset not of faith, maybe I'm stuck on something. And I've been really grateful. It's not always easy to hear, but it helps me get unstuck. It helps push me toward faith. So as exhorters, as we're calling others alongside of us, as we saw in our definition, one thing to be mindful of is being without hypocrisy and approaching it with humility. So as we are calling others to follow Jesus, we need to be wholeheartedly following Jesus as well, right? That's just what makes sense. And when we are changed by Jesus, that is when we are able to speak not from a place of being high and mighty or better, but out of humility and love for them. So we need to know God's truth and be in his word in order to encourage people toward that truth. And I'm reminded of Matthew 7 where it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I always think that's a funny word picture of like a whole plank coming out of someone's eye. <laughs> so you could ask yourself, is this word I want to give to someone 
founded in biblical truths. Is there a verse that the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind for them? Have I prayed through this? And I'm sure this is in line with the Lord's heart, not just out of a personal preference. Have I thought about how to say it truthfully without beating around the bush, but lovingly? Recently, I faced a hardship. I was really hung up on some friendships that weren't working out. It's the best way I can say it. I kept going back to what went wrong in my mind, obsessing over the details, blaming myself, being angry at them, staying in the dumps about it. And my husband said a really pointed, exhortative word to me one day while I was venting yet again about it. He helped me see that I had done all that I could do without changing my convictions and my whole self. He built me up by reminding me that I have a lot to offer in a friendship and reaffirming my worth that I just frankly couldn't see anymore. I felt like garbage. He showed me how those friendships just weren't the best for me and maybe they weren't meant for me. Yet I was hung up on wanting their approval but it was time to move on. I had given enough time and energy to something that wasn't going to work out. Maybe you've had a situation like that. And you know what? He said these hard things to me and I didn't fully accept them at first, but I was able to move forward that day because what he said was true. It was just the truth. It can still hurt sometimes when I think back on everything, but I'm not stuck anymore. I'm happy to say that. And hearing a firm word from someone who loves me and knows me well like him was healing and motivating. So it is a good and beautiful service we give to each other when we tell the truth to someone. And if you're in a place where you're receiving exhortation, just a quick word about this. Remember that the enemy is the condemner but the Holy Spirit is the convictor and he's the one that stirs good change about and points us to Jesus. So bring all things before him to prayer, before his word. And it's, if it's from him, it will stand and it, you'll see the way forward. My third point today is that exhortation is a gift to be discovered, known, and used in the church. So we find exhortation as an actual spiritual gift listed in Romans 12. It says that we all have differing gifts given to us that this passage encourages us to use in Romans 12. And so God has given you his spirit and your words. So we can all use this gift of exhortation. You don't necessarily have to be spiritually gifted in just this particular thing in order to use it. But this gift, I want to really make a point of this, that it is used within community. Community is the place that we carry all of this out, right? You can't just exhort nobody in your bedroom. <laughs> we have to have community in order to carry this out and to receive exhortation ourselves. I'm currently reading Jenny Allen's book. It's called Find Your People. Has anyone heard of this book before? Some people. Um, Jenny Allen founded If Gathering, which is a Christian organization that does a conference every year. And um, if you watched that this year, I'm going to be talking about a few things I heard from it. But I really recommend this book. So far, it's been a profound read for me. And it's all about building deep community. So to tell you briefly about it, she talks about the problem of loneliness today. And how our independence and our individualism have led to us isolating. And our life just wasn't meant to be this way. So many of us live independently today. Within our own four walls, maybe we go to work in an office or a cubicle all day. We come home, we have meals alone or with just our family. We lock up our doors at night, we go to bed and start over again tomorrow. We are more connected than any other time through technology, yet 
we are the loneliest generation than any other time. And she said, we've gotten so good at boundaries that we've forgotten how to love each other. From the beginning, when people lived in tribes, there were things like proximity to one another. There was transparency. Nobody had a door that locked. <laughs> there was accountability. There was shared purpose. And there was consistency. But think about our country today. It's so different from that, right? At least for most of us. Independence has become our chief value as a country. And I think that this has bled into our lives somewhat as believers. But that is not the goal of our lives. We crave community and belonging because we were made for it. God created us for it. He is a communal God. He is three in one. And the Bible is written for people living out their faith together rather than to individuals. And God himself said, it is not good for man to be alone right after he made man. We need one another. I heard Jenny Allen tell a story at the If Gathering this year about an argument that she had been in with someone else who was also working at the conference. And they were arguing over text message. It happened um, while they were both staying in the hotel during the conference. They were texting back and forth over an issue they're having between themselves. And she was convicted to go and finish this conversation face to face. So she canceled her dinner plans. She goes to her friend's room. And when her friend answered the door, tears were streaming down her face. She could have never known that over a text message. She could have never known how deeply this was hurting her friend. She also couldn't have given her a hug over text message. There's so much that we miss with text, but a lot of our communication is done this way today. And she recounted how difficult and awkward it was to finish out the conversation like this, eyes avoiding each other, darting around the room, trying not to make eye contact, but saying really hard truths to each other and confessing things they were having a hard time with to each other. But she said how worth it for the relationship it was to speak to each other honestly and in person, face to face, so nothing was lost in translation. And when they finished, Sorry, this is making noise. When they finished, they both hugged tightly. And her friend said to her, I feel much closer to you now. Isn't that beautiful? It could have been a moment of losing one another. Permanent walls going up, making things shallow the next time they see each other. But instead, they fought for their relationship. They said the hard things. They pushed through the awkward. They kept believing the best about each other. And they didn't just quit on each other. This story brought tears to my eyes the first time I heard it. I think that I long for these kind of interactions. I think that I'm hungry for friends who will engage on this level and will still stick with me, even when they see my bad or they have things against me that they need to bring up. Do you long for that too? What are we afraid of? This face-to-face -face difficult interaction created deeper intimacy. It will get messy. Being willing to speak the truth to others and hear it from them, that's hard. And then we need to forgive and to stay. Yes, we can't quit one another. So both of these women in this story had the maturity to push through a conversation like this, which I think takes some practice. But at the end of it, it brought them closer together. And you know what? It's going to be easier the next time and the next time. So our togetherness matters to God. He said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. My last point today is that exhortation allows for the gift of accountability. I don't always like that word. It's kind of hard to hear. Accountability? Really? It almost feels like a bad word in our world today. Our culture says we don't need it. 
It even labels it as toxic sometimes or negativity. You're the master of your own life. You don't need that voice. You do you. But a confrontational, correctional voice is different than a negative one, isn't it? It's different than toxic. Accountability is such an important, beautiful, and protective part of living together as the body of Christ. So do you have people that you are vulnerable with and inviting in? Do you have trusted friends you have per- who have permission to speak into your life? I think we can pray about having someone we can easily talk to and we could be accountable to. Someone you might wanna live alongside, like we said in our earlier definition. We are responsible for speaking the truth in love, but not for results. I think we need to remember that only the spirit can stir inside someone and move them to action, but we're just responsible for saying the truth. Jenny Allen had said that if we don't change how we're doing life, living them comfortably alone on our phones, We're never gonna have that rub of iron sharpening iron, growing us, improving us, bringing us to life. We will simply survive. So we have to allow community and accountability in order to grow and fully live. And I wanna tell you today that Jesus models perfect community to us. He never runs away from us. He never quits us. He's not afraid of us. He invites us into hard conversations with others that he knows will point us back to him. Maybe you feel alone today. Maybe you'd really like someone to exhort you, even to hold you accountable. Maybe you want some direction in your life. Maybe you're crying out for help. And I wanna tell you that, yes, we can pray for those friendships, but Jesus is first. He is the first and greatest exhorter in your life. He's given us pages and pages of exhortation in his word. And all of this that I've said today is about the one Jesus who truly calls us to repentance. So let his spirit guide you as you read his word, get into it and commit to being faithful to him as he is to you. So turn with me to one last place, 2 Corinthians 1. And we'll end here. 2 Corinthians 1. Verses three through five. Here's what it says. You can read along with me. Blessed, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So what do we see in this? We see Jesus comforting us, understanding us and our afflictions, and then us being able to share that as a community with one another. And can I tell you something? The word comfort here repeated five times is the word often translated exhort. And in this passage, they mean exactly the same thing. So I'm gonna read it again with that in mind. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all exhortation, who exhorts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to exhort those who are in any affliction with the exhortation with which we ourselves are exhorted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in exhortation too. Isn't that cool? Jesus wants to exhort you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to keep you from harm and propel you to what is best for you. He wants to be your greatest comforter, your greatest exhorter. He loves you. He is for you. He's for you. 
Father God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for this whole idea and this gift of exhortation, God. I pray, Lord, that you would build up a beautiful community that exhorts one another here at Calvary Monterey among our women, Lord. Let this mark us, Lord. May it start with us. Call us, Lord, to action. Help us to see someone we could invite over or just someone we could ask to go to coffee with this week. Reveal to us people who also need community to invite in. Lord, teach us to love one another with our words, to be good exhorters, to see the good in other people and praise and celebrate that and also offer our outside perspective when we see something wrong. Let your Holy Spirit, Lord, fill us and give us life-giving words for one another that are from you, Lord. May we speak your words to one another. And Father, give us courage to speak into one another's lives. Give us the courage to be vulnerable enough to let others see in and speak in, Father. I pray that over all of us today. Give us the humility needed that allows us to be in true community with and for one another. And Father, I pray for anyone that is hurting today. May you send your spirit to soothe them. And even today, give them a word through someone else that could help them right where they're at, Lord. And just remind them that you love them so much, God. Soothe us, Lord, through your healing word. Put us back together, Lord. All things are held together in you, as it says in Colossians. So, Lord, give us heavenly perspective, too, an eternal-mindedness that spills into every area of our lives, Lord, especially our relationships. Help us, Lord, to have the boldness that we need to have the hard conversations face-to-face, Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you the glory. Please bless our time of Q&A now and be with us the rest of our day. In your holy son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm gonna invite Whitney up right now to get us started with our Q&A. Thank you, guys. What a great word mm-hmm. from Mrs. Monza. Well, thank you, ladies, for being brave to come up here and answer some questions from the women this morning. We have a nice, a nice little collection of questions that people have texted in. The first one we're going to do to open it up um, is, how do I know when it's my responsibility to bring a corrective word? Sure. Yes, I will go. (laughs) Well, I have found that I will have a particular burden for that person. And I could talk to someone else and they're like, I didn't even notice that, you know? So I think if you have a burden for someone and maybe it causes you pain a little bit to see what you're seeing and and it's out of a place of love and not criticism, I think that's how you can know the Lord's laying that on your heart. And I think that that's how we know it can be our responsibility. Wasn't that how it was said? Is how do I know if it's my responsibility? I think so. I think just to add to that, um, you know, it's really important to pray through these things. Not that it's always not the exhortation is always like a bomb drop in somebody's life or anything, but um, it's, it's important to be prayerful before mm-hmm. you would do something like that. Even if it's something uh, lighter weight, even if it's an encouraging kind of exhortation, um, mm-hmm. just to be really prayerful. So, because sometimes we think we know what um, someone ought to be doing or where someone's off. And then as we really bring it before the Lord, we realize 
the Lord corrects us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So he corrects our thinking. Maybe we were too narrow. Maybe we were, you know, so, um, or maybe we're not the right messenger in that moment. So I think being prayerful also um, brings, gives us some discernment as to whether it's our responsibility. I was just thinking through that. Um, This isn't straight from scripture, but this is a framework that I've heard before that I've tried to use is it's almost like a little flow chart. And if you say yes, you move on to the next thing. So the first thing you can ask yourself is, does this, does this truth need to be said? Yes or no. And if the answer is yes, then you say, does this truth need to be said by me? Like, am I the right person to deliver this to this other person? You know, if, if it's someone within your family, are you the right person to say that to them or, you know, think about your relationship with them. And then if the answer to that is yes, then you ask yourself, does this need to be said by me right now? Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, if it's something, you know, if your friends at work, this is not the right time to say it or call them, Mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, use that kind of discernment to kind of work your way through if you need to be the one to say it and when the right time is, and then obviously be in prayer about that. So true. So kind of, kind of piggybacking on that, but coming from a different angle. Um, now, what do you do when someone exhorts out of personal preference and opinion rather than based on biblical truth? So you're on the receiving end. What do you, what do you do? What do you do? I think it's important to, if you're on the receiving end, um, just to just be gracious and, um, you know, try to, there's that, that verse that in Corinthians that describes love and one of the, the tenets or descriptions of love is that love believes all things. And so it's great to try to be a person that believes the best. That's another way that I think about that is to believe the best about someone. And um, if they're giving a word of exhortation and to you, it, this is a matter of preference. And um, uh, then just believe the best about them. Gosh, I can appre- like think of the good. Like, gosh, I can appreciate that this person cares enough about me that they would want to tell me this, you know. And I can, like, so you, you begin to, like, as you're hearing or maybe later as you're walking away, you're trying to think about uh, the love, the the friendship that that person has brought into your life and that they would be willing to put themselves out on the line a little bit mm-hmm. to, to, to share that with you. And then um, I would caution you um, to be maybe just like bring it before the Lord and double check and make sure it is a matter of preference. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they might be right. Maybe it isn't a preference. Sometimes our immediate reaction, because it's hard to hear some kinds of exhortive words, sometimes our immediate reaction is self-defense, right? And so it's like, "Eh, that's just a matter of personal preference. But maybe there's a grain of truth there, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's actually true and our first response was wrong. So it could still be a matter of personal preference, but I would just encourage you to just Bring it before the Lord. Lord, is there anything in this that you have for me? Is there any grain of truth here? Is this true and I was being defensive? Or is this just not from you for me? And that's okay. I don't think you have to like quip back and be super confrontational to the person in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's also an opportunity to guard our heart from sort of that like mentality I mentioned about quitting them. Oh, well, they just said that flippantly to me, so they don't have a place in my life anymore, you know? Yeah. And so, yes, I think absolutely, like, sometimes there's just a grain of truth there, and we should listen and take it to the Lord and kind of take it apart with him and ask him, is this true of me? Is this something I need to apply? Or is this not, you know? Um, But protect my heart from sinning against that person, talking about them behind their back to justify myself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Keeping the fellowship open yeah. with them. And also I would say in trying to discern, maybe this isn't specific to preference, but if someone gave you oh, an exhortive word that felt a little confrontational, because again, ex- exhortation is not always confrontation. You mm-hmm. shouldn't always interpret it that way or think of it only in that way. Um, but 
Oh my gosh, I just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, anybody else want to go? Uh, ah. You can think about it. Okay. I was thinking just like what Christina was saying, like, yes, take it to the Lord for sure. And if you have any other like trusted mentors or That's counselors. What I was say. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Right. No, go, go, go. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, you know, somebody said that to me and I wasn't really sure if I thought it was accurate or true to maybe bring it before, not in like a spirit of gossip or so-and-so thinks this about me, but like, hey, do you see this in my life too? Is this something that I yeah. need to think about? Yeah. And yeah. yeah, change. Yeah, I can remember a time in my life group where um, someone was on the receiving end of a word of exhortation like that. And um, she didn't mention the names or anything like that, but kind of shared because she was pretty broken up about it, <clears throat> kind of shared the situation. And then we were all able to sort of like come around her. And I don't know if the, the word she had was like a direct word of exhortation, but in a sense. And um, in our life group, we're a group of women who have known her for a while and been in, in pretty good relationship with her for a long time. And we were able to say like, well, that's interesting. That's not exactly something that I see in you. And maybe what she meant was this, but maybe you should think about it this way. Sort of like bring some perspective without being gossipy and weird about it. Yeah. So what are now some practical ways uh, that you guys use to practice speaking the truth in love? How do you, how do you, uh, how do we how do we practically practice that? Mm. And I'll tag on. And are we all called to practice that? Mm -hmm. Go first. I I mean yes. <laughs> um, I think that's about being in relationship with one another. I think the way that you practice it is, is you have to put yourself in situations where you're around other people. Um, you know. So I hope you're in a life group whether that's, you know, in person or virtually. Um, and, you know, I just got started in a growth group with two other ladies, and that's going to, in just in the smaller group like that, that really offers opportunity for uh, really speaking into one another's lives without distraction. Um, or, you know, just think about the season of life you're in. I, um, I work part-time, but I'm a newer mom and there's a group of us that meet every Friday to go on stroller walks together and that's just a real time of like exhorting one another <laughs> you know with our kids and how we view um, we're all believers so how we view uh, mothering and just navigating this season of, of life you know it's it can be more formal in like a bible study sense or just you know you're neighbors or the people down the street or your friends, I think it can happen in all those ways. Mm -hmm. I think what comes to mind, I'm thinking about my own personality. I'm not really a big natural cheerleader. You know, you know how some people you just feel uplifted right away by them and they're like, oh my gosh, I love everything you're wearing. Oh my gosh, everything you said. Oh my gosh. And you're like, wow, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not really like that. I think I'm more just kind of I don't know, like a skeptic or something. But I feel like the Lord has grown me in that because of how good it feels when someone exhorts me or encourages me. And I want to be that type of lover to people. And I want people to leave after having been around me uplifted, you know, and pointed to Jesus. So I have tried Every time, I feel like the Lord's kind of helped me like practice this by saying like, anytime you're with someone, try to, try to give them a, a word of encouragement, no matter how small, you know? So I think by listening well I, to them, or even if it is just something about their physical being, you know, um, something always comes to mind. There's always something to celebrate or point out in somebody that gives them that boost, you know? So I guess that's just a really practical way that comes to mind for me. And it's, it's been a challenge for me to grow in that way. Um, I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but to try to, to speak words instead of just like, oh, my day stunk, you know, or things that kind of just like bring the mood down, but be uplifting and try to, 
ask them about themselves and encourage them, like, oh, well, you must have been really great at that thing you did today or something, you know? Does that make sense? And how often do those moments go by where we think things and we don't say them? Yeah. And it could really encourage a sister. We could, I think we more oftentimes need to speak up and speak encouraging, loving words on our yeah. sisters because too much goes unsaid. Mm. Right. Okay, what about, is it ever appropriate to speak the truth or exhort someone that you are not in a close relationship with? So how do we deal with those that we're not in a close relationship with? Um, and then also, we could also put in there another question is, is similar, and that is, what about exhorting um, a non-believer? So how do we do with those? Maybe they're two different questions, but how do we, how do we, is it ever appropriate to exhort someone that's a non-believer or someone that we're not in close relationship with? I think it's like entirely a matter of like context and situation. Mm -hmm. And like, what are we talking about when we're talking about exhorting? If I am trying to talk to a non-believer about, um, the Christian biblical sexual ethic and how they're not living up to it. Well, that's just kind of ridiculous. Um, that's, that doesn't make any sense. I just want to encourage them to get to know Jesus and to love Jesus and to walk with Jesus. I'm not trying to call them to God's standard for their life if they don't know and love God yet. So it, that's just an example of like, well, what are we talking about? So I feel like this is very like contextual, but if I'm talking about just like encouraging somebody um, you know, I don't have to be in close relationship with someone to say like, hey, um, I noticed that you're really great at that because somehow I'm like in inner crossing circles with them. Like, I noticed you're really great at that. Wow, that's amazing. You should keep going in that. That's a word of exhortation that I could give to somebody that I don't know all that well and that I, doesn't require a lot of relationship to be able to be spoken genuinely and, and, and it could really build somebody up. But if it's a word of exhortation where it's like calling somebody um, from some, some kind of sin or something like that, that's when we need to be careful that we're um, the right messenger, that we're, this is what God's asking us to do, that we're, we have to know we're not responsible for the results. That's when close relationship is very much an important um, part of the formula. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say to that. So like, sure, you could exhort a non-believer in a lot of ways, but probably just not to biblical things. Mm -hmm. And I think they would notice the way you encourage them being so unlike a word another unbelieving friend would say, like, oh, wow, that was different, you know? Um, so I think that it could be a cool opportunity, but exactly what you're saying, not to um, address behavior that we would think for us as believers is inappropriate, you know? Right. Um, it's just not the right time and place to try to correct behavior for someone who doesn't have the spirit in them, you know? I had one other thought. Um, oh, and I, I wanted to give the example, too, of, like, we receive exhortation from people we don't know us all the time when we listen to podcasts or go to church. Right. Um, and sometimes it's helpful, you know. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing when that preacher doesn't know us at all and they speak right into our life, right? So I think God can really use people we know and people we don't know, you know, mm -hmm. to speak into our lives, but it is hard to hear from, you know, just the regular Joe that comes along and wants to say something pointed that maybe you're already aware of and sensitive to. And um, so I think really bring that before the Lord and consider the source, you know, when it's not done in a right or loving way. You know, I think it's important to know we have a place in people's lives before we really go in and say a corrective word, you know? I got a lot of words when I was pregnant because I was always <laughs> very obviously pregnant. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of words of exhortation from perfect strangers in grocery stores. 
like, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yep. Or when your child doesn't have a sweater on and it's cold outside. Oh. Figure that one. Baby needs to put socks on. <laughs> that always got me. <laughs> um, my heart was not ready to receive that corrected word. <laughs> There's a question about being a better receiver. Maybe I should do that one next. Mm. Um, okay. I like this one, though. This is, here's a scenario. Uh, it says, I need help at work. I love what I do for a living. However, I have a colleague who's pessimist, has huge control issues, and likes to gossip. It burdens my spirit. There's the burden. So I've tried to enforce boundaries only to have them disregarded. How can I approach this in a biblical manner? She's older than I am, and she says she's a believer, but every time I provide encouraging words, they're met with more negativity. So it sounds like she's trying to go through these steps, but there, there's some hurdles. What should we, thoughts? Yeah, I'm trying to think what I would do in this situation. Mm-hmm. That sounds, I mean, that sounds really hard, and that sounds very, like, emotionally taxing. Um, I think something that, you know, I'm continually trying to grow in is to hold other people in, I mean, this is like a counseling therapy term, but like in unconditional positive regard or believing the best about, about them. So practicing that with this woman, but also if she's coming towards you with words of gossip about another person, you know, I think if you can firmly, but gently you know, rebuke that in, you know, speaking well of that person that she's talking about, about saying, you know, I don't know if that was their intent or, you know, or just trying to kind of shut it down, but with kind of almost like helping her modeling to her what regarding other people more highly looks, looks like, and kind of that will show her that you're not a recipient, a willing recipient for that gossip. Does that make sense? Um, So, but that sounds, that sounds tough. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hard part about these kinds of things is we don't, we don't get to control. We're not in control of the other person and they're not obligated to like, quote unquote, I mean, it even sounds weird, like obey, right? Us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... So that's a challenging situation because mm-hmm. even there's, there's a good chance that you do that and it still just keeps on coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, Lord, <laughs> what do I do now? Um, so, but I, I don't think that that doesn't mean you can't take the opportunity to do what you can and to say what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially as believers, it sounds like there's that advantage there that, this person says they're a believer, you're a believer. So you can like call them to action. Like, Hey, it doesn't do anyone any good when you talk like this, you know, or, um, we have to really preserve our, our witness here. So talking like this and being this negative is, isn't building anybody up here, you know, that's great, Jess. But I'm sorry. I think that is a really hard situation. And I just want to say too, like, we can't control them, but we can control us. We can really pray through God, take the power that this situation is having over me away. Help me to be in submission to your spirit all throughout my day and not letting that rule me and control how I react and um, keep it in its place, you know. I think that the Lord really can help us grow through those times. And I think even if a word isn't received that we can tell from someone, the spirit is so faithful to, to tuck that in our hearts. You know, maybe he brings that to their mind years down the road or months, you know. But as we pray in faith for that person, I think God can still use our words um, in their life. And we can't doubt that, you know? Yeah. I would just say to sometimes, um, 
I think that when we see something that's off in a person, and so again, that's not the only context for exhortation, but that's what we're talking about right now. When we see something that's off in someone, especially a fellow believer, um, it's almost like a privilege, not in a weird, like prideful, we're better than them, self-righteous kind of way, but we can see a weakness in them. We know this like vulnerability that they have, right? And so what do you want to do? If we really love people, if we really want them to be as much like Jesus as they possibly can, if we're really rooting for them, then the very first thing and the most continual thing we will do for them is to be praying for them. Like, gosh, Lord, and this is when it's black and white. It's not like a preferential thing. Like, I wish they would parent in this way instead of this way. I'm... I'm talking about like gossip or, you know, pessimism. Those are like real specific things that we just know like aren't good for them. So like bringing it to the Lord, like I know this is hurting them. Lord, I know this is not what you have for them. Lord, I know there's more joy for them. I know there's freedom from um, thinking about other people so negatively. I know how that can affect them in their hearts and souls. If we really want the best for them, then just privately in our own prayer life, we can be bringing them before the Lord and asking the Lord Mm -hmm. to do things we never could in their life. And then being a consistent, loving, full of grace presence in that relationship, in that person's life. But just really continually praying for them, even in that specific area that we see is off in them. Um, It's almost like a privileged position that you have and you have an opportunity to pray for them. And they may not even know that you're praying for them. They may not even know that, that um, in five years when they're like doing better in that area, that in part it was because Mm -hmm. the Lord used you to bring them before him. So I don't know. I would just encourage you to be praying for them, like specifically in that area that the Lord would give them freedom or help or victory or whatever. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com. You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.